0: Question number one: What do you or we consume as a consumer? Just think about life. Think about the things uh, that you consume. It can be media. It can be products. It can be um, services. Just anything. Hmm. Donuts. We consume donuts every Sunday morning. Wouldn't be church without donuts. Donuts, let's call that food, too, on a greater, because we could name food after food after food. So what else? What do we consume? Media, Media, social media, all kinds of media. What would you say? Utilities. Oh, we consume... uh, um, Okay, utilities is a good word for that. There you go. You are correct, Blaine. That is the proper word. Okay. What else? What do we consume? Ammo. Ammo. Some of us more than others. Uh, I can say I do not consume much ammo, but I understand where you're going. Uh, It's all right. I'm less... Hey, buddy. How are you doing? So what else do we consume? Fuel. Fuel? Okay. What else? what else natural resources other than fuel. okay fuel and other natural resources yeah that's almost spelled correctly time, time. ooh getting deep and theological with this here or philosophical not theological sorry wrong word what else do we consume Think about your week. Think about what goes in, what you utilize, what you take up. Anything else? Anything else? Uh, some of us consume other people. Ooh, yeah. Other people, time, and resources. Okay? Other people's time and resource. So question number two for you now. What do you create or produce? Carbon, no. <laughs> That's like not even valuable, is it? Yeah, it is. is it? Well, I guess so. Carbon. I can't even believe I'm writing this. That's a... That's such a lame, that's such a lame answer. Okay, what else? What do you produce or create? Oh my gosh, that goes, you're O for two, Blaine. You're blocked from talking anymore. Wisdom for others to consume, maybe? Okay. Do you, how much wisdom do you, no, I'm not even going to go there. No, being a smart aleck is not wisdom. Being a wise is not wisdom. It's just... Sorry. Um, bad thing is we create a podcast. People can go back and hear me ragging you at this point. So. Uh, what? Create opportunities? You, this is... Bull. So you've given three answers that are, that are not going anywhere creating opportunities is creating an opportunity to create something, but it doesn't mean you've actually done anything yet. It just means you could have done something with the opportunity that you created. So here's the question, or here's the, the summary, because as I assumed, as I assumed, uh, our, our consumption as a consumer can and often outweighs our product or what we create. Many of us consume far more than we create. Think of this in terms of a family. In my family, we've got mom, we've got dad, and then we've got one, two, three, four kids. And I say this on a regular basis. Our four kids really have no value in this world right now, right? Other than saying all and and, and being cute at times and at times not. Um, They really don't add anything to the family. When we talk about my home and we got a family in this home, these four people drain as a consumer way more than they create as a producer. They don't produce squat, right? They consume food. They consume media. They cost me money and utilities. Uh, Ammo, once girls start dating, I will start using ammo at that point, Uh, But they consume a lot, but they create nothing. Nothing. And in fact, we, we call those, they're actually a tax deduction because they are dependents. Right? They create a tax deduction. There's one thing that they created. They created a refund. All right? So here's the deal. Here's the deal for you today. My one point that I want us to discuss today, one point that we're going to discuss today is this, here's the goal, create more than you consume. There's the goal, that's where we want to get to. We want to be people that create more than we consume. And I think by that list, I think we've got a little ways to go, right? Um, so here's the question What is the danger of consuming more than you create? What's the danger of living the life that consumes more than it creates? You spend all your resources, and you can't replenish, so that's spent. What else? What's the danger? And this danger can be for oneself. So think about my kids in that in that home, or think about as a greater unit in a family. What's the danger for oneself and what's the danger for the greater unit? What'd you say? You become a burden for others. As a dependent, you never outgrow that role and become somebody that can carry another's burden, but you're always being a burden, right? What else? What's the danger of consuming more than we create? Drain resources, be a burden. Think if my kids never grow up and never become creators, producers, and they're always consumers, then eventually they're going to drain not only their own resources but my resources, and at some point the house may fail, right? Because they get bigger, they eat more, they require more, they need more, and they never get over the humps of producing more then when I got four of them that are eating and consuming more and more and more and more, I can't keep up with that and eventually the house is going to fold, right? Eventually, there's going to be a depletion of the resources in the system, right? Um, You also think about that and if you continue to be a burden, then at, at what point do people, what happens to a kid that never grows up and becomes a producer? What do the parents eventually have to do? Hmm? You got to cut them off. Yeah, let them go. Cut them off for their own good. Right? Anything else? Any other dangers? For? you don't learn to create, you become a, like, a and become and have this entitlement Ah, yes. That we have to. Entitlement have a and. In this country. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the complaint with millennials, right? That's the, that's the general cultural complaint about millennials, and most of you are millennials, so I'm talking to you. Um, this is what other people are saying about your generation, is the fact that uh, you graduate college and you believe that you already deserve, you're entitled to the best job in the field. Because you have a degree, you want to be in charge, right? And, and that's an entitlement... Mentality that people believe this generation has. You want to be a consumer and you want to receive the best of the best when you've never produced a thing, right? And, and in my notes, another way of saying that was you become a critic. If you only consume and you never produce, you're the greatest critic of everybody else. But there's something in producing that turns you away from being a critic because you know the process of producing is much harder than you once thought. It is. It's humbling. It's humbling. But if you've never produced a thing, then you're always critical of others. You drain resources, you kill systems. And if you are only a consumer, you are limited to the existing structure that's available. So think about that. If if you're only a consumer, my kids can only enjoy what I can provide. They're limited to the structure of our family and our home. But if they become a producer, then there are no boundaries. If they become a producer, they can leave and create opportunities and possibilities that don't exist. But if you're only a consumer, you're bound to the opportunities and the boundaries that currently exist. You operate with whatever is given to you in the box, and you can't go outside the box and make opportunities right? That's the problem with being a consumer. Creators feed systems. They don't drain them. They feed systems. They create new things that, that make thriving systems, thriving families, thriving organizations. Consumers provide resources. They don't point out problems as critics. They solve problems. Producers are problem solvers, not critics of somebody else's blame. Right? It's, such a, it's the flip side for producers and producers have no limits. If you can create it, you can do it. But the critic says, "Well, you should create more. It's your fault that I can't do that. It's your fault that that's not a possibility." And you become critical. But, but producers, creators, there's no limitations. Look with me at Matthew twenty-eight. Matthew twenty-eight. We're gonna look at the words of Jesus. This is Jesus uh, after. He has been crucified. He spent three years with his disciples. They hung him on a cross because he claimed to be God. Uh, the, the, the Jewish leaders had him crucified because he claimed to be the Messiah. They didn't like that. So they crucify him. He bleeds out on a cross, and then they put him in a tomb. And for three days, he lays in the tomb, and then he raises from the dead on the third day. And then he reveals himself to many right? He reveals himself to many over, over a number of days. And here he is in his last conversations with his disciples, final conversations. This is his last word with his disciples, Matthew 28. Let's look at verse 16 through 20. The 11 disciples traveled to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshiped, but some doubted. Jesus came near and said to them, can you imagine I'm sorry, I just got distracted. Can you imagine a resurrected Jesus? You've been with him in a resurrected form for a month off and on. And, and, and you're like, I walked with the dude for three years. I've seen him for 30 days now. And I'm going to come and meet him in Galilee. And I still doubt, is this really him? Is this really happening? Is this real? Uh, the, the doubts that we have, that we wrestle with, is so constant. So constant. Don't beat yourself up because your belief falls short because these men walked with him three years, saw him for 30 to 40 days after his death, and some doubted, right? Just astounding as we look at that. But when they saw him, they worshiped, but some doubted. Jesus came near and said to them, so focus on the words in red, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make Disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you and remember I am with you always to the end of the age. Go, therefore, and what? Make disciples. Be a creator, not a consumer. Be a creator, not a consumer. Make disciples. Disciples. Consuming. Here's I have a uh, you can consuming over creating is the original and continual sin of God's people. Consuming over creating is the original and the continual sin of God's people. Go back to the first people Adam and Eve. He creates Adam and Eve, and then he says, Well, we've been over this a couple times over the last number of weeks. He says to them, Multiply and fill the earth. Right? That's the thing. He said, Make more people. Be a producer. Be a producer. And he said, I've given you what? All the seed-bearing plants. I've given you everything you see that's going to fuel your production. If you would consume what I've given you, then you can produce what I've created you to produce. You can be a, a consumer of some and then go multiply, make more and fill the earth. But what happens, we've hit this a couple times lately, is Eve doesn't want to be a producer. She decides that what God has not given her to consume that would be better than to operate in the role she was given. She wanted to consume when she was created to create. It's like what God hasn't given me is better than what God has given me. And she became defined by what she consumed, right? So I think consuming was the original sin. And consuming, what was the first thing that happened after they ate of the fruit of the tree that they were told not to eat? What was the first thing that they did? They hid, they covered themselves. They hid from God and they made a covering for themselves. And what thing did they cover? The one thing that enabled them to be recreators. I'm not going to go into sex ed with you. But they covered their creativity, so to speak. They covered their creativity. The one thing that was going to enable them to walk in the calling that they had, because they wanted to be known as a consumer, their consumption took priority over their creativity, they then covered up their creativity as they pursued being a consumer. I think that that's still our battle today. Because when it comes to church, what do we do? We come in on Sunday and we listen to sermons. We consume what somebody else has learned for the week. And then if you get really engaged in a church, what do you do next? Join a Bible study? A small group? And at that point, you consume what somebody else has learned throughout the week or maybe you consume the food that they made for the the fellowship to get together and, and all the while we think that we will in the same way that Eve was be like God and know good from evil if we just consume a little more right that was the lie that Eve was told if you will consume, then you'll be like God and you'll know good from evil. And then we come into the church setting and we say, if I just consume enough, all of a sudden I'll be like God and I'll know good from evil. But it's, it, it, it doesn't work that way. Consuming is still for us a covering for our creativity. Because as long as we're focused on consuming more information, more knowledge so that we can become like God and know good from evil, then it is covering our creativity to go and to make disciples. Because there is no making of disciples as long as our mentality is, let me consume more information. Our consumer mentality is still a covering for our creativity to go and to make what we've been called to make. Trekking with me so far? Trekking with me? So here we go. I was told a story one time. There's a. uh, anybody know what this is? It's a factory. Let me let me draw a bay door right there with a loading ramp, dude. I cannot believe you got a factory off of that. That's incredible. We are of one heart and one mind, Blaine. We are. No, not quite. (laughs) We are of one heart. Okay, so a factory. How do you know what a factory is built to make? by what it produces. Now some would think I drove by the factory and this is the Acme Brick Factory. Right? They obviously make bricks. Look at the sign. It says so. And they've even got trucks in the front that go up to the loading dock and it says Acme Brick on it as well. Surely they make bricks. Surely but, but Sean hit on it. It really doesn't matter what the sign says. What will be a dead giveaway every time for a factory is up to what they are created to make is what is going from the factory and being loaded into the back of the truck. So during prohibition, it's, uh, you can go back and, and study some of that. In Prohibition, I actually found a picture on, online this week. There was actually trucks that were brick trucks. And they would go to the factory. They would go during Prohibition. And it actually had bricks sticking out of the back of the truck. It was really interesting. Search this image. It actually had bricks, but they were faux bricks. And they had a secret panel right here that they could remove back up to the building load the illegal alcohol into the truck and drive off. That factory and that truck said Acme Bricks, but they were loading alcohol. That factory was not made to make bricks. You can put whatever you want on the sign. It doesn't mean anything. It's what you're loading in the back of the truck is a dead giveaway for what's inside the factory. What is the factory built to create? What is this factory built to create? Disciples. The church is built to create disciples. It's on everybody's mission statement. It's on everybody's purpose statement. But I want to ask you this in a very humble way. What's coming out the door? Right? Are we... We can put whatever we want on the on the marquee outside, and we can put whatever creative messages. It's you think it's hot here? Wait till you get to hell. It's really hot there. We can put whatever we want on the marquee. I used to be in charge of one of those for twelve months. It was awful. I just put Jesus on it. I was like, I don't, I don't, I hate this sign with a passion. Um, so I just, I just quit putting stuff on it. And the deacon came to me. He's like. How come we're not putting anything on the sign? I'm like, because it's no matter what you put, it's awful. So, anyway, that's a complete side note. But what's coming out of the church, it doesn't matter what the sign says. It's what's coming out. And if our mentality is to come listen to my sermon, come join my Bible study, come be a part of my small group, and then you'll be a good church member, and you'll grow up, and you'll know the difference in good and evil, and you'll be more like God then we're not creating disciples, we're creating consumers. If that's the way we look at the church, then we're not creating disciples, we're creating consumers. Because people are walking in and out of the church every day for one purpose and one purpose only. Let me go take more in. Let me go take more and More information. More information. And more information. And actually, if we are not careful, then the product that's walking out of the church is much the same thing as the four kids that I tuck in bed every night. They're dependents. Dependence. It doesn't matter what the sign says. It's the product that's coming out of the factory. For a long time, uh I had an increasing passion and burden in question. and question. And it's this. What would it look like to have a disciple-making factory in Saline County? What would that look like? What would it look like if, if we did something that was a little bit different, that was actually built not to create consumers but to create and uncover the creativity that God has put in you. To uncover the creativity that your goal is not to take more in, your goal is now to uncover that creativity and go and make more disciples as you've been made. What would that look like in Saline County? Is it even possible in Saline County? And, and eventually, here we are. That's the purpose for which we exist. Right? And... and If you get anything as we begin to talk about why we exist and how we're going to exist, it's get that, that that we want to be a family of people that equip you to create more than you consume. And the calling that you've been given to create is to create disciples. That's what you've been given to do. You've not been given the task to consume. You've been given the task to create. And that's why that's why first of all we're starting out really simple that what do you have right now you have sunday morning on a weekly basis and we just started that a few months ago before that we were bi-weekly but you have sunday morning and we started out with a bi-weekly dna group that's our men and our women meeting together to disciple each other and to learn that process the reason we operate so simple is we don't want to give you too much to consume so that we can uncover your creativity and give you freedom to do that. We don't want to give you so much that you feel like you're doing your Christian duty by coming and consuming. We want to use that time very strategically to send you back out to go create disciples. That's... that's You may have thought, well, it's so simple because we don't have many resources. No, it's so simple our process is because we want to free you up to create more than you consume. We want to start that early and we want to maintain that over the long haul. So, discussion. How would you define disciple? If we are made... To make disciples, we cannot move ahead in this conversation without defining a disciple. One who spreads the gospel? What else would you say? What's a disciple? A follower? Could be a follower of anybody, actually. You're right. In fact, many people would say you're already being discipled by somebody. It's not if you're a disciple, it's who you're a disciple of because you're following somebody, right? What else? How else would you define disciple? Hmm? Conduit. conduit. Okay, so not a consumer, but a conduit. The, the content, the message comes to you and then it goes through you. Right. I want to give you a working definition that we can all kind of rally around and greet. Everything you've said is completely true, but here's the working definition that I want to give you so we can operate together. Someone increasingly worshiping Jesus being changed by Jesus and obeys Jesus. Actually, that should be obeying the way I finish my sentence. Dot, dot. And helping others do the same. What's a disciple for our case today? Someone who increasingly worships Jesus is being changed by Jesus and obeys Jesus. Oh, I had one more thing. In everyday life. And helps others do the same. You worship Jesus, you're being changed by Jesus, and you're obeying Jesus in an increasing fashion. Right? There is never a point that you have arrived as a disciple. When you first believe you became a disciple, and that's a trajectory that sends you for the next rest of your life, that you increasingly learn to worship, you are increasingly transformed by the person of Jesus, and you are increasingly learning to obey Jesus in the context not of a building but of everyday life. We've spent the last two months talking about the goodness of the gospel for everyday life. I have strategically had that conversation with you for the last two months so that we could get to this point and say, now what do we do with that? If that's who we are, then what do we do? Because our activity comes from our identity. So we focus two months on our identity. This is where our activity comes into play because of who we are in the gospel. A disciple increasingly worshiping Jesus, being changed by Jesus, and obeying Jesus in everyday life and helping others to do the same. Andrew hit this when I asked the question the other day, what's unique about Salt County that, uh, that draws you to be a part of it? What is that remarkable thing? And Andrew, I hadn't even said this to you, so I'm glad you said it in that context. He said that I think that Jesus created disciples that make more disciples. And I want to be a part of that, and I think this is on that path. You're exactly right. That's the purpose for which we exist. That's what God used to compel my family to start a new thing. We want to make one thing, a factory that makes disciples, that makes more disciples, that makes more disciples, that makes more disciples, that makes more disciples. Consumers are dependents, and they don't make anything. We don't want to make those. We want to make producers, ones who create disciples, who create more disciples. And you create a pattern that a generation, two generations down the road, God used a very small group of people that started in a gas station to change the trajectory of a community away from consuming and into disciple-making, being producers. Okay? So disciples, if you claim to be a disciple... You also have helping others to worship, obey, and be transformed by Jesus on your radar. Because that's part of being a disciple. So how do we obey Matthew twenty-eight nineteen and make disciples? We're not going to cover that all today because that's a lot of ground. Uh, but I want to give you something just to work with. Um, making disciples involves consuming you have to take in it's like when Eve and Adam were given every tree in the garden take it, eat it, consume it, it's good and that will fuel your ability to multiply and fill the earth Right. so we don't As a church, we don't say that that we're going to quit teaching. We're not going to focus on, on, on what's true and what's not. We're not going to focus on theology. That's far from the truth because there's a level of equipping you. You have to take in healthy information in order for you to go out and make something that's good. There is a level of consuming required for reproducing. We get that. That's what Sunday mornings are for. That's what DNA groups are for. We want to strategically use these times to feed and equip you to be ready to go out and multiply. Okay? Number two, creating disciples includes this. Going. Meeting. Meeting. New people, teaching, and obeying. This is straight out of Matthew 28. Go. It's the, first, it's the first word. Go. He didn't say come and consume. He said go and make something. Because you can't make anything here. Can I say that again? You'll never make disciples here this is where we equip you to go and kick you out the door and say, go do what you were made to do. Uncover your creativity and have at it. Go. Reproduce. Fill the earth with the image of Jesus. Go. Right? This is all, right here you come and you partake of all the trees that are good. And then you go. Get out of here. You have to go in order to make disciples. Make disciples of all nations. You've got to meet somebody new. Who do you need to go meet this week? If you're going like to make disciples in this world, make disciples of all nations, don't worry about all the nations until you, work about, until you worry about the people that live under your roof and in your street. Who do you need to go meet this week? Who do you need to go meet? If you're going to make disciples, you've got to start by engaging with somebody else. Who can you engage with? Who can you meet? I need at least three names before I move on. People you work with? There you go. I don't like that answer. I need a more specific answer. That's that's a good Sunday school answer, and I don't like those. I don't... (laughs) But can you meet them with a new intentionality? If I'm to go on my road, I Do what? If I'm to go on my street, all, I all right. But you are in a position where you engage with new people on a daily basis. The only reason you don't make disciples in your workplace is because you have no intentionality about it. You think you're going in order to make money when God puts you there to make disciples. Your job is not about making money. Your job is about making disciples. Your profession is not a plumber. Your profession is disciple. Now, plumbing gives you the opportunity to make disciples in that area. You're not there because you chose that job. You're there because God gave you the opportunity to have influence in that area. That's why you're there. You're not a teacher. You're a disciple who teaches. And that's creating an opportunity for you to impact a school and a whole other group of teachers. If we would stop thinking, I am that person. No, I am a child of God. And the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, that's my identity. My identity is not teacher, so don't let me be distracted by who I think I am because of a title. My title is child of God who goes and makes disciples and fills the world with the image of Jesus. But we get so distracted that we think we're there to make money. You're not there to make money, it's not your purpose. You're there to make disciples. Rethink how we engage our week. Going, meeting, teaching. There is a level of communicating what is true and obeying. Obey what you know. Here's the problem with consumer mentality in the church is you think there's going to be a point where you hit that tipping point and you'll be like God knowing the difference in good and evil. The problem is you become so inflated in your head and so weak in your body. You have so much head knowledge and you have no application. Most of us In this room right now, I could kick you out and say, we're not going to meet again. Go make disciples. You should be able to plan a church with the information that has been put in your brain. You should be able to spend the rest of your life and multiply making disciples. But the problem is your body is so uh, in apathy because you've never put into practice the things you already know. Most of us in this room don't need any more information. You just need to learn to obey what you already know. Let me ask you this, Sam, if if you were to kill somebody, would that be sin? Thou shalt not murder. Thou shalt not commit adultery. If you were to have a relationship with your neighbor's wife, Stephen, would that be sin? So how come when Jesus said, go and make disciples and you disobey that and you don't obey the thing he's told you, why do we act like that's not sinful? Is that not equally a commandment? Most of us don't need any more information. We just need to learn to obey what we already know. Learn to listen to the Spirit and walk according to what you know. If we did that, we'd rock this place's world. We'd transform this county. You don't need more information. You need to learn to obey what we already know. And that goes for all of us. Let me give you one last illustration. And I want to set you free with this right here. Some of you are thinking, that's a good broad vision. That's a good purpose. But I need a to-do list. I need to know, do this and it will work. Right? Teach me exactly how to share the gospel so that people will get saved. Teach me exactly how I need to knock on my neighbor's door and and meet them and start to spend time. Yeah, that's good. But listen to this real quick. There was a teacher who taught ceramics in school. And she announced that she was dividing the class into two groups. On the left side of the studio, he said, would be graded solely on the quantity of work they produced. And on the right side, they would be graded on the quality of work that they produced. So on the left side, if they made 50 pounds of ceramics, they got an A. If they made 40 pounds, they got a B. 30 pounds, they got a C. It goes down like this. So just make a bunch And if you make a bunch, you'll get an A. On this side, he said you will get judged and graded on the quality of what you make. And if it's top-notch, you'll get an A, and we'll go down the scale like that. When grading time came, and a, a, a curious thing emerged, the works of highest quality did not come from this side, but came from this side. The highest quality work came from those that were graded on the quantity. It seems that while the Quantity group was busy churning out piles of work and learning uh, from their mistakes. The quality group sat around and theorized about perfection. And in the end, they had big theories and a pile of clay. But this group knocked one after another out. They were trying. They were learning. They were getting from their mistakes. And in the end, they produced the best product. And this one just had a lot of theories and unused clay just go do something. Quit thinking of yourself as a consumer and think of yourself as a creator. Uncover your creativity. Go make mistakes, but in the end, you'll make something good. Disciples. But as long as we stay over here and we say, you know what, we're going to sit in here as a group and we're going to talk about what it would look like to make disciples until we're blue in the face. We know all the theories and we've learned nothing from our practice. And if you've learned nothing from your practice, you've actually not produced anything except for theories, which will never flesh out. You know where the greatest place to learn? It's by doing. You don't need any more theories. You just need to do something. Will you break something? You bet. Will you create things that are not good? You bet. But by God's grace, there's going to be disciples along the way. And I've been a part of groups that have theorized what what it looks like to make disciples, and you know... In those theories, you just just have good conversations that never go anywhere. You feed the brain, but you never activate the body. I want to set you free and say, you know what? I think God's going to grade us on the quantity, not the quality. He takes care of the quality if we just simply take care of obedience and going and meeting and obeying What if I screw up? I'm quite certain you will. You'll share the gospel with somebody and you'll be like, I don't even think that sounded like the gospel. You know what, I've done that and people have got saved before. And I look back, I'm like, I don't even know what they believed. I said Jesus and death and resurrection somewhere in there. I don't know how they got saved because that was the most pathetic gospel explanation I've ever given. And they're like, I want that. And then I talk to people, and I'm like, I had it perfected. I had step by step, and I, I walked them through the Scriptures, and I walked them through the Gospel, and I had their attention, and they're like, no, not, not today. Oh, but I had it perfect. No, none of this is based upon our skill sets. It's all based upon the work of the Holy Spirit. If we just go and let them work, we'll have a lot to show for it. A lot to show for it in the weeks to come we'll discuss theory and strategy but instead of perfecting these things it'll prove more profitable to uncover your creativity and give you freedom again just go make disciples have babies not real babies but disciple babies it's like parenting yeah somebody when are you gonna have kids well i'm just not ready yet you know when you're ready to have kids? When, when you have them, right? You know when you can afford to have kids? When you have them and you make it work. When are you going to make disciples? Just whenever you do it. But if you say, I'm not ready, you'll never be ready because there's never enough information for you to learn because it's all learned in the process. As someone who increasingly worships Jesus, being changed by Jesus and obeys Jesus in everyday life and is helping others do the same. That's my goal for you. It's my goal for me. That's what we exist for. We are going to limit the amount of classes that we offer because I want you to go. Now I want you to go alone. I want you to go together. Part of the journey that we're going to take over the next few weeks is me setting you free from this mentality that you're going to go and save the world. You have a family of people that we live everyday life with so that we can go together. So we can go together. And when people meet you in your neighborhood, they're going to meet your church. They're going to meet the family of God, and they're going to be impressed that you're not a solo act, but that you have a family that loves them as much as they love each other. We'll get into all that over the next couple of weeks. Just go. Go this week and make mistakes. Uncover your creativity and see what happens. Be released from the consumer mindset. Say, I'm going to go make something this way. I'm going to make disciples. Let me pray for you. Father, we need you to continue to transform our heart on this. Father, I know that in some ways this is...